the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, the 2010 and 2011 Mr. Puss in Boots, the most entertaining, the most interesting luchador of all professional wrestling, Lucha Lisa Dorado. And I'm also the MLW World Middleweight Champion. And you're listening to Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome, everyone, to Perched on the Top Rope. That's right. It's me. It's me. I am your host, former dirt sheet writer from Ringside News, The Sportster, the richest and sports kita i am your host lee walker and i am joined by your pristine co-host mr 111 himself the perch correspondent justin Largito. justin how you doing my man i'm great man triple one is here perched on the top rope you know same place same time every week and we're here to talk some wrestling that's right and we call him uh trip one because he's been to 111 shows ladies and gentlemen and you can check out those vlogging experiences experiences at youtube.com slash justin we trust justin uh quite a week in wrestling that has occurred we have the uh impact rebellion results which you know impact took place this past weekend uh hell of a show and the first thing I want to talk about part of impact was one of my favorite things that happened was basically the in ring debut of Santino Morella. Santino took on the design, big con angels, Diener and Sammy Callahan and he teamed up with uh, Joe Hendry and Dirty Dango, which uh, the match was a four-on-three, the design versus the three of those guys. And, man, Justin, I got to tell you, I was super excited when uh, Santina Morella got the tag and just instantly the first thing we see is him throwing his punches the way he does. Uh, and then you just see him Irish whip. I can't remember who it was. He Irish whips, whoever it was in the ring, uh, does his like little split thing, does the way he does the hip toss. And the fans were chanting, you still got it. You still got it. Hell of a crowd chanting. What'd you think of his return, dude? So, I don't know if you felt the same way, Lee, but, uh, you know, physically, I it, Santino looked like you had literally just pulled him out of a time machine from 2013 in WB and inserted him right here into this Impact Show Rebellion. Uh, he looked great, honestly. He was doing all the goal, all the old uh, Santino spots in WB, especially the, the Cobra at the end. And uh, this was his first televised match. I believe they said would have had to have been eight years, nine years, because it was 2014 he retired from WB. So, obviously, he's had a few matches on indie shows in that time, but 
this was his first televised match, and he didn't disappoint. Uh, hopefully this is the first of a few times we get to see Santino in the ring, because I, I think there's something there, and, you know, he obviously still has something. Yeah, and it was great to see uh, him wrestle, like I said. You know, just the nostalgia factor of everything that it brought up is a a wrestling fan of Santino, like things that I remembered about his career, the way he won the intercontinental championship, his first night in the company when they did that over in Italy, pulling him out of the crowd to face Umaga just to like little random things where he was the runner up in one of the uh, Royal rumbles, the one that Alberto Del Rio won uh, in the 40 man rumble, the, the first and only, I remember, like, back in, like, I think it was, I don't th- what year was it? Maybe it was, uh... Are you thinking of the Elimination Chamber? Yeah. 2012. Uh, okay, I was. I almost said 2015, where he was the runner-up, and it was, I believe, him and Daniel Bryan. And he he had, like, the most eliminations in, in that Elimination Chamber. Yeah, that, uh... So, if you remember... 2019 in the midst of Kofi mania or just as it was getting started Kofi kind of had that Santino spot in the elimination chamber that match where you know he was the underdog and he was fighting and he was uh, eliminating guys like Randy Orton and other established guys that were in that match Uh, and that's kind of the role Santino had in that match too so you know they kind of emulated that with Kofi and ironically, the last two in that match, too, were Kofi and Daniel Bryan. So, uh, you know, right down to the T, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, this match, Santino is teaming with Dirty Dango, who we know is uh, Fandango in the WWE. So, you know, teaming up with a former. And then, obviously, the digital media champion, Joe Hendry. You always got to clap, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, day one when Santino hit Diener with the Cobra, which uh, seeing the Cobra after all these years uh, be hit on somebody was, was just really cool, especially after we had the chance to see Santino at WrestleCon during uh, WrestleMania weekend, which, you know, he wasn't announced, but he was there. Of course, I was mad because I have elite series i believe he's elite series five him and uh vladimir kozlov because i got his elite and i would have definitely got it signed had i known well to be fair wrestlecon didn't announce like 40 percent of their fucking talent and some of those sessions yeah because had i known i would have had more suitcases with me to be honest and god forbid that's all we needed on that trip <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there was enough luggage already. We but you know what? Look the back window, folks, when we picked Lee up from the airport. Yeah, and, and that was just me trying to get my luggage in because you guys had all yours in already, too. Right. Now, Impact Rebellion, though, even though like we had that great, you know, basically debut with Santino, we were plagued with injuries for two matches that, you know, cause changes. And we'll start with the main event as it was, uh, well, it wasn't the main event, actually Steve Macklin and 
uh, Kushida for the Impact World Championship. Now, it was supposed to be Josh Alexander in the match, and Josh Alexander, unfortunately, was injured. So we saw the change in the match, which... If you remember correctly, when we were watching this, I even had to ask, dude, is this the main event? I and, then, and then you you informed me that no, it wasn't. Because I thought it was the main event like I just did here. And I'm going to ask ask you, like, do you think that would have been a good enough match for a main event? Steve Macklin versus Kushida. I understand why they went with the women instead. Uh, just based off the angle after the match, and we'll, we'll get into it in a minute. Um, but you know, I think you could have either went went either way on this. Uh, both titles were vacant going in, as we mentioned, plagued due to injury. But you know, both matches delivered. I thought they were just about what you expected. Matches delivered, but for storyline purposes i feel like there was more involvement with the women's match definitely and we'll talk about that after but uh we have a new impact world champion which is steve macklin defeated kushida which let me ask you this justin if we were originally going to have steve macklin and josh alexander who do you think was going to win I think either way, this would have been Steve Macklin's crowning moment. I mean, by this point, Josh would have been uh champion for not exactly one year. I believe next week it would, would have been a whole year because he won it at last year's rebellion. I would know because I, I was in the front row on that show and you can see the back of my head on the fucking hard cam the whole show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think either way, this would have been Macklin's crowning moment. And honestly, I think it would have been the right guy to take the title from Alexander. Uh, Alexander kind of went for everyone, so Macklin was pretty much the next logical choice. All right. Okay. And um, I feel like in this match, Macklin was the right decision against Kushida. And nothing against Kushida at all. It's just... It's almost hard for me to imagine him being a world champion i would say after the way he's been he was used in wwe slash nxt and i say that because we see that kind of treatment with a lot of formers in regards to former wwe talents where before they went there you know, as an independent name, you knew who they were. And I'm talking guys like Tyler Black, Kevin Steen, shit like that, you know, you, you know, your Seth Rollins, your, your Kevin Owens, like, you, you know, the kind of matches they had in this and that, you know, they get their name change and everything. And, you know, some, sometimes you get like a watered down version and it felt like with Kushida and WWE, that's exactly what you got, you know? So when that name, is released it almost feels like it doesn't have that oomph that like it once had and for me 
with Kushida and WWE, that's kind of what I feel like we got. We got the watered down version of him, you know, not used properly, gets released. And then, like, for me, it's kind of hard to imagine seeing this guy in a world title picture after the way he was used in WWE. Do you ever have that feeling? No, I get what you're saying. And, you know, even in Japan, Kushida has always been positioned as a junior heavyweight in that division. He's never been positioned in a main event heavyweight division match. Uh, so, you know, I and I, I, I'm sure people are going to get pissed hearing this. Any Kushida fans, you know, but oh, yeah. he's, he's never he's never been positioned as a main event or anywhere he's been. He's always been in that you know, junior heavyweight, cruiserweight division. So here, once they announced this match, you knew you knew it was Macklin winning because Sheeta wasn't getting the title here. Yeah, and that's the way I felt, which, you know, makes me glad that it wasn't um, in the main event because I thought it was so obvious who was going to win the match. And to be honest, with the incident involving the main event, I kind of had the same feeling. Um, Now, this match also had a change. It was originally supposed to be the Impact Knockouts champion, who is Mickey James, taking on both Deanna Perrazzo and Jordan Grace in a triple threat match. Now, we learned uh, the previous week that Mickey was injured and she relinquished the knockout championship and the match became Deanna Perrazzo versus Jordan Grace for the vacant knockouts championship. Obviously the match still would have had a lot more star power if Mickey was involved. And I feel like would have been the main event no matter what, but losing Mickey, you still have an incredible story between Jordan and Deanna Perrazzo since they've also been, recent knockout champions but also you know having held it recently uh they have they had intermixing storylines with each other so the storyline between these two at least made up for what there was a lack of a storyline between steve macklin and kushida because there wasn't much of a background between those two leading up to rebellion after Josh Alexander getting injured, it was it was a very short time that they had to to basically develop and deliver that match. Where this one, you could already take like a pre existing storyline between the two women, and we saw the outcome. Diana Perrazzo is the new Impact Knockouts champion. To which I've been referring it to as the era of love because Deanna Perrazzo and Steve Macklin are married. So injuries plaguing basically your co-main event and your main event. How do you feel about both matches? Do you feel like even though the injuries that occurred, do you feel like both matches still delivered? Yeah, I do. I do. And just a interesting fact about, as you said, the era of love uh, with Macklin and Deanna holding the two top titles in Impact. They're actually, uh, believe it or not, the third couple to hold the world title and the knockouts title simultaneously. Or a uh, third set of husband and wife, I should say. 
Uh, first one was Johnny Impact and Taya, and second was actually Rich Swan and Sue Young, who won them on the same night. So, very interesting. A lot, a lot of lovebirds in Impact. A lot of yeah, a lot of couples as champions. I kind of dig that. Now we we did get a surprise when it comes to Impact Wrestling, and I'm gonna bring this up now. Instead of waiting till AW chat, we had a debut in Impact besides Santino Morella in the match. Justin, former NWA champion Nick Eldis. Part of Impact Wrestling. Yeah, former uh, former NWA world champion. So he's he's Mickey James' husband. What'd you think about when he came out and and did commentary? Like, I'm I'm only bringing this up because we had a, another one in AEW uh, that were potential hirings of WWE and it didn't happen. A lot of people speculated Nick Aldis would be going to WWE, just like a lot of people speculated that Jay White of AEW would go to WWE and we didn't get that. So do you think these are misses by WWE and and triple H? Like, do you think that somewhere maybe the offer wasn't good enough? Maybe the fact that Vince McMahon was back in the company or that the company being sold might've scared them off. What are your thoughts on this? So in the case of Nick Aldis, I don't know what the issue is. The rumor that's been going on for years is that somebody in that company has it out for him. They don't like him. They don't understand him. I don't know if that's Triple H. I don't know if that's Vince. I don't know if that's anyone in either one of their ears. I have no idea. But that's kind of been the thing for the last uh, few years that Nick Aldis has you know, been an NWA or been a free agent. And it does make sense. I mean, look look how long Mickey James was back in that company. Uh what was it from 2016 to 2021? That that's a good five years. And there was no intention on signing Nick Aldis to a deal at any point during that. And I think that's very telling. Um but you know, he Nick Aldis worked Slammiversary last year, if you remember that uh it was that 10 man tag team match against Otter No More. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, and I think this was probably the best landing spot for him, honestly. I think he would have got lost in the shuffle in AEW had he, he had gone there. And he's been in Impact before. He's a former Impact World Champion. Uh, if you remember uh, the, the days of Dixieland and Dixie Carter uh, from 2013 Impact. But he's had success in Impact before, and it looks like uh, he's getting ready to have some more success in Impact again. So good on Nick Aldis. I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah. And, you know, Jay White being part of AEW, again, these are two names that had good speculation on going to WWE and and just didn't happen. So what do you think the case was with Jay White? You know, because there was a lot of hot rumors that that man was WWE bound to the point that, you know, people were talking that we were going to see him the night after Mania for Raw after Mania. I think it was timing. I I really do. And what I mean by that is, you know, the sale, the merger with uh, 
UFC under the Endeavor umbrella. And, you know, the reports have been showing up and popping up backstage more and more. Uh, the weeks going into WrestleMania, I think, was definitely a turnoff for Jay White and, and WB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what I attribute it to. Uh, I think he was definitely planning on going to WB. Just based on his last few months in New Japan where he had the uh, Loser Leaves Japan match and then he had a Loser Leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling match with Eddie Kingston. And I don't feel like you would put a label on a match like that if you're just going to go to AEW, who has a working relationship with New Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... I don't know. I, I I just found it ironic. You know, those were two huge signings that seemed very, very highly going to WWE. And then you, you don't, you know, it doesn't happen. And I just kind of like wanted to see if like you attribute it to, I don't want to say like a failure on, on Triple H's part, but like he's been the guy trying to get people back, you know, like FTR had even been rumored that they were going to come back, you know, uh, Dax had even been posting, like he posted a, a photo, what looked like a WWE contract while drinking tequila. And, you know, now we also just heard that, uh, he's stopping his podcast, not doing it anymore already. I think there's a different reason for that one. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a different reason for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, what do you think the reason is? I think uh, all the CM Punk talk and, you know, all, all that good stuff where uh, you should probably not be saying stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, th- think someone might have had their hand in putting that show to an end. I think so. And uh, I think his initials are TK. Yeah. Well, a lot of CM Punk talk and fuck it, let's just dive right into it with AEW here because we've heard the rumors I talked about it last week that CM Punk seems to be on his way back to AEW and it's little things that we're noticing that lead us to believe this number one uh, he's still in wait forever the video game even though they removed him from the cover Oh wait, it's it's not wait forever. It's it's fight forever, right? I don't know why I said I don't know why I said wait forever because it feels like you're waiting forever for the video game to come out. You can still uh, pre-order the game, everyone. You just don't know when you're gonna get it. Yeah, the last date that it had was like June third, twenty twenty four. Yeah, I believe something ridiculous like that. So yeah, <laughs> um, that's a, a kind of like a reasoning because like. When it comes to video games, you have plenty of time to take people out if that's the case. Like they have, they have had more than enough time if CM Punk's not in the game to take him out, and all they did was take him off the cover. So that's a, that's something that leads me to believe he is coming back to the company. Listen, Number I two, will, I, before you before you go further, I will I will defend the game a little bit only because, uh, yes, CM Punk is in the game, but Cody Rhodes is also still slated to be in the game. Yeah. So, Cody Rhodes is going to be the first guy to show up in a fucking WB game and an AEW game at the same time. <laughs> Which would be pretty cool, at least. <laughs> same gimmick and everything. Because you get the, yeah. I mean, they're still producing figures. You know, there were still figures of the guy coming out. After all, while we were at WrestleMania, we were able to get his AEW chase. 
Right. You know, um, the other side of the country, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> now, the other thing that makes me believe that CM Punk is coming back is number two, Justin. You actually sent me a screenshot of the image yesterday. Mm-hmm. The ringside collectibles, AW two pack figure from um, the, the strap pack. match CM Punk versus MJF, where they were like both a bloody mess. That figure is still coming out. And all the other, if you remember the reveals last year at All Out, all those CM Punk figures, those are also still slated to come out, just pushed back. Yeah, like there was the CM Punk uh, ice cream bar box that's on Ringside Collectibles, you know, that was like basically after the fact of what had happened. Uh, Then you had his regular and his chase that also came out. Then he has... He has an Ultimate Edition coming. He has the LJN that looks like a Hasbro coming. Yeah, I was just about to bring those up. Like they, We have all those other figures coming out that they're still going to release of CM Punk where if, you know, where they, they still had time to, to not make those figures, being honest. Because if you remember correctly, uh, Sting was supposed to be part of the WWE Legends line. And then his contract with WWE was up and he went to AEW. Now, we had already seen prototypes of the box, him in the box, the figure out of the box loose. So, like, we had already seen all that. So, you already know the figure was in production, which tells you that there there are figures of that figure made. Because that tells you that there's prototypes of the figure out there because, hey, I'm a prototype collector. So you know that those are out there. So they've had plenty of time to stop production to not make the figure, but they're still producing the figures and they're not out yet. So that tells me that, in in my honest opinion, there was never any intent on letting Punk go. Even after the fact that we heard all this, they're going to buy out his contract and this and that. Now we're hearing all these different rumors, Justin, CM Punk had a meeting with Tony Khan. CM Punk had a meeting with Tony Khan and Chris Jericho. Tony Khan had a meeting with the elite, you know? So we're hearing all these, these rumblings of all these meetings and Justin fans are kind of like, well, if they are bringing CM Punk, how do you bring CM Punk back with the elite? Especially considering like we never heard any more about, uh, charges being pressed. Uh, still nobody talking about the incident between the elite and CM Punk. Uh, but we've also heard no more talks about it either on basically what had happened. You know, we know that CM Punk kind of started a fight. Things escalated. Someone got bit. Things, you know, just little stupid stuff. But now we're we're not hearing about that anymore. Now we're hearing about the return of CM Punk, but what comes with the return is how do you bring him back and there not be any issues? Well, Justin, you just separate the roster. You just create a new show for Saturdays. So terrible time slot, by the way, Saturday, eight to 10. Hey, WCW had Saturday night. Started at eight oh five. 
when was WCW Saturday night? What year? Uh, 90. I want to say it was like 93. And then I think they had stopped live wrestling in 2000. And the last year it was like a tape show. And they moved the time to like, I think like Saturday morning or something like that when like nobody was watching. But like, oh, so you're saying the show was going on while there was a big wrestling boom. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, making sure. <laughs> no, but like, um, for the longest time though, before like WCW Nitro and Thunder, that Saturday night show was like their main staple show for years. Oh up yeah. Until, up until '95, because everybody knew Saturday's uh, TBS 805. Because it's just like, why is it starting at 8.05? It was just the way that TBS was. It started at 8.05. I remember it as a kid, like, you know, um, before Nitro, you know, because WWF, before 1993, all you had was Saturday morning. And then you had later Saturday night, you had WCW. Because as a kid, I would watch WWF at my parents' house. Saturday morning, you know, cartoons just, you know, the, the Saturday morning cartoons thing was over. Uh, because back then you didn't have just stations that ran cartoons 24-7. Saturday morning, you got your cereal, you sat in front of the TV from like 7.30 till 10 a.m. watching cartoons. And then after that, you had uh, WWF Superstars on Saturdays. And then later... At 8.05, you had WCW. So, like, I watched WCW at my grandparents' house. And that's just how I always knew it. And then, you know, 1993, the landscape changed with uh, Monday Night with WWF. And then 95, you had the official start of the Monday Night Wars. So, are you quite done reliving your nostalgia yet? Yes, I was actually about to get to that. Um, <laughs> um, real real quick, I just want to point out... Uh, it's 2023, and WWE runs their pay-per-views regularly on Saturday nights now, which is not going to go good for this show, uh, for AEW. And, yeah, you know, UFC runs Saturday nights, too, from then time. So it's just a terrible time slot all around. If that And if this is the case, and they take a Saturday night time slot, there goes AEW pay-per-views on Saturdays. And I know most of their shows ran on Sundays last year, but Full Gear ran on a Saturday. So a lot of shit will be affected if this is their time slot. Yeah, and obviously after my nostalgia rant, I was actually going to bring that up. You have a lot of stuff that happens on Saturdays. Like, even to the point that if you think about it, Justin, it seems like Saturdays has been the new premium live event slash pay-per-view night and i think that's because a lot of promotions are realizing as adults that go to these they drink you know what i mean you get a, you get your adult beverage you sit down you enjoy some wrestling but you know just like the big sporting events like the super bowl is a sunday as a fan i'd rather see that on a saturday cuz if i'm drinking like i'm going i'm not going to work on monday if i'm too hungover this or that or like you have to like not you have to like be like, oh, well, I got work in the morning. I can't I got to stop drinking where, you know, Saturdays you, you can 
indulge a little more, you know, um, fans aren't complaining as much if the show is later on a Saturday than it is a Sunday for, you know, work purposes. Also a big thing, Justin, WWE is very big on kids. So if you have a pay-per-view on a Sunday and you're bringing your kids the next day, oh, they're tired. They're too tired for school. They miss the bus or they don't go to school at all type deal because the event ran, you know, till 10 30 11 and then you still had to get out of the parking lot and drive home now you know it maybe it's not till 12 1 a.m that you get home and you got a little kid at least here on saturday it's a little more acceptable that your kid's up a little later because you don't have to worry about school or anything like that the next day type deal so you, you also have to look at it like this impact runs pay-per-view sometimes on Saturdays. They do do Fridays, though, I've noticed. I think Fridays is worse, but... <laughs> I, I agree, because you, you have a lot of wrestling going on then, too, when you have trying to have a pay-per-view. Uh, you also have... Think about this, Justin. NWA, MLW, also. You know, those companies, you know, run pay-per-views. You know, few and far between, but they're there. And... I always thought Saturdays with the newer generations that we have, it's a bad time because like between eight Oh five and 10 o'clock, most young people that age demographic that they want to hit that 18 to 49. What are you doing on a Saturday night? You're not watching wrestling for the most part. If you are, it's because it's a pay-per-view. Right. You're drinking, you're out with friends, you're doing stuff with friends. And I can understand wanting to have a show, but to, to make it on a Saturday, I think you're, you're asking for trouble. I think you're 100% right on that. I think the ratings are going to kind of reflect like a dub, an AEW rampage. Well, That's you know what point. the other issue is, is that there's so much fucking wrestling on that you can't really find a day where there's a free spot to put on a show. I mean, Ring of Honor runs for uh, Thursdays, and it's I believe the second hour of it runs head-to-head with Impact. Yeah, there's a lot of wrestling, and... and... We can even break that down real quick. You have three hours of Raw on Monday. On the other side of that, you have AEW Dark Elevation, which runs on YouTube on Monday. There's, we'll seemingly just say five hours of wrestling right there on a Monday. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, you have AEW Dark. You have, what day is NWA on? Uh, NWA might be on Thursday too, actually, now that I think about it. All right. And then MLW, I believe is Wednesdays. It's usually before impact or before AEW. So Tuesday you have AEW dark, which is basically a two hour show. Mm -hmm. You have NXT two hours. So you got four hours right there. I don't know what, when level up is on. I think that's like. Another okay. fucking show on Friday. <laughs> oh, holy crap. All right, so Monday you've got five hours of wrestling. Tuesday you have four hours of wrestling. Wednesday you have MLW, which is an hour. You have AW Dynamite, which is two hours. So there's three hours of wrestling on Wednesday. On, on top of Wednesday, count AEW All Access, which is another hour on top of that. So you got four hours of wrestling right there. Also on Wednesday, you have main event on the Peacock network so there's another hour so now you're at four hours on a wednesday 
I'm I'm calculating all this now to get like a total. I'm pretty sure we're at thirteen to fourteen hours of wrestling already. But Monday was five. Tuesday was four. Wednesday was four. Thursday yeah, four. We had two hours of Ring of Honor, which it shouldn't be fucking two hours. It should be one hour, but we still have two hours. Two hours of Impact. Uh, one hour of main event. Let's say NWA, which is one hour. So there's um six six hours. Friday, two hours of SmackDown, one hour level up, one hour of Rampage. And I'm not going to count it, but remember, Impact runs pay-per-view sometimes on Friday nights. So you could be looking at an additional three hours. Saturday, let's say we throw in this uh, new AEW show. There's another two hours. Just by this point, not counting pay-per-views, premium live events, we are up to, on average, 25 hours of wrestling a week. And that's all when you get out of work. Yeah. You know, I've been saying it's too much wrestling. It's very hard to keep up. And I don't like, I don't know if fans pay attention, but we're very selective about what we talk about now based on news and this and that. Like, we talk about basically what's kind of seemingly hot or things that aren't talked about that should be just because there's, there, there's, there's too much of it going on. Like, we never even talked about, like Enzo getting released from MLW while we were at WrestleCon and he was there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just things like that. We never even talked about Matt Cardona being done with impact. There's just, there's so much wrestling going on so much to talk about certain things don't make it and certain things do. And, and you know, this is one of those shows like we had to run down what we felt was most important to talk about because there's so much out there. And look, in, in my case, there's a lot I want to get to. Unfortunately, there is not enough time in the week for me to get to everything. Yeah, I hate that I'm behind on Impact. Impact puts out a great fucking product, and I'm glad I was able to catch their pay-per-view the other night. Yeah, and Rebellion was sold out. And one thing I've noticed with Impact, and, and you noticed it too, because we talked about it, and we've been to uh, television tapings and Impact pay-per-views, they're getting bigger crowds. Right which is awesome to see for impact. I'm very happy to see that. But you know, the main thing that we were originally talking about was AEW in a new show with the, the biggest rumor about the new show is we're seemingly getting an AEW draft, so to speak. Also, we can see the return of CM Punk. Now, the rumor that's been going around is that they're doing a draft or a split justin if you will is to keep the elite and cm punk away from each other so like are we going to see basically everyone who doesn't like cm punk on another show like because that it seemingly that could be like a big part of the roster you know what i mean yeah so i'm gonna wait and see how this plays out like we don't even have We've, we only have the rumor about the show. It's not even fully confirmed. I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure it's absolutely happening. Same time slot we've heard. But we just haven't got confirmation about it yet. So I'll hold, I'll reserve all rights to that. Okay. I think AEW can benefit from having some kind of brand split because they have so much fucking talent. I mean, look, you can only put so many fucking people on Dark Elevation of Honor every week. You know? Like... 
Yeah. I, I think it could benefit. I think the best way to kind of handle it, though, is to have uh, somewhat of a soft brand split. And by that, I mean, like, nobody is technically assigned to a brand or a show, but primarily they'll be appearing on that show, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about when it came to Impact was uh, when Deanna Perrazzo defeated Jordan Grace, there was a huge rumor going around that Jordan Grace could be done with Impact Wrestling. What are your thoughts on that? I think Jordan's going to stay, honestly. I, I do. I think she's been too much of a big part of that company for a while. Well, and, and I tend to agree with you because... You know, even though she lost the match, and then after that, the rumors started coming out that you know she might be done with Impact. Uh, her husband's there. That's another. That's another thing I want. I was going to bring up. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know if it. If her leaving is for another wrestling company, if the uh, bodybuilding thing, because you know she did win. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is something that she's thinking about, like doing full time now, especially when we talk to her. Uh, fans, you can listen to the interview at youtube.com slash or at perched on the top rope because YouTube's become like social media now. If you, in the you can just type at perched on the top rope and it comes up. But if you go there, you can hear about our interview where she talks about bodybuilding and even Justin, if she would join Invicta Fighting Championship, the all women MMA company that is under the Anthem banner along with Impact Wrestling. So I don't know if a lot of people know that, that Anthem also owns Invicta Fighting Championship, which is an all-women's MMA company, which you know a lot of people have made a big deal about WWE being bought by Endeavor, which also owns UFC. So this isn't the first time that we're actually seeing a company own an MMA company and a pro wrestling company, but more on that later. Anyway, um, I just want to throw it out there that, you know, there's a, a big rumor that she could be leaving. And if she does, I don't know, like, where she would go. Like, well, that's what I was South- say. I, I don't see her going to another company like a WB or an AEW, you know? Uh, definitely AEW after what happened with uh, her husband, Jonathan Gresham. You're right. You know, I, I didn't even take that into consideration either. So. So I'm sure that left a sour taste in his mouth, uh, which yeah. is why he's an impact. So I would see them being like a power couple in impact, just like Mickey James and Nick Aldis, uh, just like Steve Macklin, Deanna Parazzo. Like the Roman knockouts champions. <laughs> yeah, you know. So anyway, um, back with AEW. Uh, and speaking of that, you know, letting people go and signings and everything on AEW dynamite. We did watch a great match between the bullet club gold Jay white taking on a wrestler named commander. I made a lot of jokes at commander's expense because his ring gear, honestly, at first, like I, I thought I was looking at like, a Kalisto or a Laredo kid because the masks were similar. The ring gear was like an all white type thing. It he, he just looked like a WWE 2K generic 
uh, create a wrestler that's like already like pre-downloaded for you to like pick what your wrestler looks like for uh, the my generation mode or my rise or whatever it is type deal. You know what I mean? And I was making jokes at his expense and then I was watching the match and I was like, oh, holy shit. Like the guy walked the ropes from from one end to the other and and then jumped off the top rope once he got to the other turnbuckle. Like the guy, the guy had a WWE 2K move set. It felt like because like anytime you make a created wrestler, you give that motherfucker the most outlandish moves and move set that you can possible. And that's what I literally thought of this guy. And then literally after the match, there's you know Tony Khan does his social media post. Commander is hashtag all elite. As much as I made fun of the guy, there was again great match. No background story as to why the match was happening. There's no back they gave no background of who Commander is, why he's there, anything. I got nothing out of it. Other than again, other than a great match. No story, no story to who the dude is. I honestly, outside of making fun of i didn't know who he was so i'll defend that a little bit he has appeared on dynamite a few times recently uh like like he had a great match with sammy Guevara a few weeks ago actually in long island and then he was in the the face of the revolution ladder match last month where uh powerhouse hobbs won that sonic gold ring i mean that's like that is fair but like this was my first time seeing him, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, this, this was your first time seeing him. So, he he had just looked like a generic character with a completely outlandish WWE 2K moveset. It was cool, though, to watch him wrestle. Like I said, amazing match. But it's just one of those things. I got no background to who he is, where he's from. You know, this is where I'd been told in, in the past by fans on Facebook, Google him. I shouldn't have to. There should be a, a whole story about this guy coming to the company and why he's here and this and that, like WWE does. I got nothing on who he was. And to be honest, I didn't. I haven't looked anything up. I still don't know much about him other than I watched this great match. But that is what it is. I can sing a song about him if you want. Let's hear it. Now, 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 here he comes to the ring. All white gear. He's got a mask on with nothing to fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. I thought AEW was a good show, though. Dynamite this past week. You know, that commander match against Jay White was phenomenal. No, you know, sorry, AJ. But uh, we we had more exposure of the, the, the main four pillars there. Sammy Guevara, because you just brought him up. Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, Jack Jungle Boy, Perry. Whatever the fuck JR wants to call him this week. Jungle Jack Perry boy, boy Jungle Perry Jack, whatever you want to call him, and MJF. Uh, we get another promo out of the four of them. Obviously, you know, this was more 
it felt more heated and real, especially the way they were seemingly, I'll say this, ripping into each other. Yeah, but MJF still outshined fucking all of them. Jungle Boy, he did not impress me with his promo and his performance here in this this fucking opening segment. Like, I feel like if they were going to get Jungle Boy over, especially when he called Sammy Guevara a piece of shit, I totally would have brought up to, what's it like to propose to your girlfriend in October and then completely marry somebody else by the next year in January? Like, I totally would have ripped on him over that type of shit. MJF uh, brought that up a few weeks ago, actually. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like, that's the stuff I would have done. You know, you want to you want to rip into Sammy Guevara, rip into stuff like that. Bring up him and Sasha Banks. Bring up all like that type of stuff. You know, you know and it, they, same... they probably would have if they're pro- not actively trying to sign the woman. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then like they did it with Darby Allen because Jungle Boy was like, people don't know the real you or whatever. Like, if they would have, if they wanted that, they should have had Jungle Boy rip into. <sighs> this would have been hard. The allegations between him and Priscilla Kelly. Why did Priscilla Kelly dump your ass? You're a skinny little white boy. You know, what's your deal? Let's be honest. If you met him, he's he is quiet and reserved. If I had to pick out of anybody out of those three in the ring who a piece of shit is, I'm picking Darby Allen first, to be honest with you. Really? I wouldn't have yeah. I didn't expect you to say that. Um, because it's usually the quiet ones. Fair, okay. Fair. And he's quiet, so... And, and and for fans who know, like, when it comes to this type of allegation, Sammy Guevara has something on him with the Sasha Banks being like, I'd rape her. Typed, if you remember saying that on a podcast, because they made a big deal and he had to go to sensitivity training. And then there was allegations on Darby Allen. I remember this with him and Priscilla Kelly and and him and Priscilla Kelly getting divorced, but supposedly like they're still good friends or whatever. I I'm honestly highly doubting that, Uh, but whatever. Anyway. um, Yeah. I always think the quiet ones are the biggest because they're the ones, you know, the silent ones are always the ones I feel like you got to worry about the most. If you don't believe me, look at the, that explains why somebody wasn't talking to us a lot of the time in Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna, I, I was gonna bring up uh, quiet people in in school shootings and shit, but I feel I feel like I should hold off on that one. I feel like maybe... I, I kind of uh, almost did too, and I was like, no, nah, maybe I shouldn't. I get a lot of heat on that, so I'll drop that right away. Um, now I always think it's like the quiet ones you got to worry about, you know. They're just there's something about him. There's something about Darby that tells me he he just looks like in real life he's not that nice of a person. I don't know what it is. I'm Darby Allen. I like turtles. I like I, turtles. I like to hang out with my old friend Sting. His name is Steve. I like Steve. Ah <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Anyway, dude. You like playing hot potato? Did you ever play that as a kid? Who doesn't love a good game of hot potato? Tony Khan does. <laughs> I know Tony Khan does with that TNT championship because uh Justin, we saw on Dynamite 
another new AEW TNT champion, even though it's his third time holding it. That's right. We watched Wardlow defeat Powerhouse Hobbs and become the new AEW TNT champion, or as we've been calling it, the AEW Hot Potato Championship. Hot potato, hot potato. Hot potato, hot potato. Potato, 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 potato. Oh, man. When did this show become a fucking sing-along? I don't Uh, know, man. So we have a new... uh, I believe it's supposed to be the Turner Network Television Championship, but in this case, I'm going to call it the uh, Transitional Network Title Championship because that's what it's been the last six months or so. (sighs) Six TNT title changes in the last five months. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) And You know, I posted about it when I made the post that he had won. And I even I didn't even I referred to it as the te- the the hot potato championship, and all that like Facebook.com slash person on the top rope. Everyone was commenting. Um, some were viewing it as comparable to the WWE Intercontinental Championship, which I was like, Nah, man, like that's been held for a year. You know, by one person. Right. You know, um, I compared it to the twenty four seven championship the way that it changes hands so much. You think they're devaluing this belt with so many, I mean, and, and if you remember Justin, when the, when the belt first came out, I want to say within like the first, again, like the first five months, you had four different champions already at that point too. So like, is this just going to be the thing for the title where it just changes hands so much? Do you think it devalues the championship a little bit? Now, I'm going to bring something up. Remember a few months ago when, this was back in October, when Orange Cassidy won the, at that time, the All-Atlantic Championship? And you referred to it as the title that nobody cares about? Yeah. They've done a much fucking better job with that championship that Orange Cassidy still has than this fucking TNT championship. Yeah, and they gave that one a name change too. Yeah, to promote Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh the international championship has had a lot better story going on compared to the T I mean, hell, even the TBS championship has a better story than the TNT championship. Like what do you think the reason why they keep bouncing this around? I, I, don't, I don't even know, man. It, is it to keep feuds going? Is that what it is? Like, I don't, I don't really understand it. But I don't know. It, it looks like uh, we have a new challenger. Hobbs is unfortunately now out of the TNT title picture. Uh, and he's going to be challenging Luchasaurus. Wardlow is, I should say. So, whenever that match with Wardlow and Luchasaurus is, I'm assuming it's going to be a double or nothing. Uh, get ready for a new TNT champion. Uh, do you think that would happen though? Because like the rumor is Chris or uh, Christian is like close to being done. If he was close to being done, I really don't think they would have brought him back. I agree because look at, 
how things were with FTR. They were supposedly going to leave, and then obviously that didn't happen. So I, I just I just hate that I can see a match graphic for a TNT title match, and I can just point at it and go, "New champion on this date." Well, and it seems like every time you hear about the TNT Championship, you know someone's going to have a match. Right away in the back of my head, I always think, "Oh, we're going to have a new champion." Like right instantly, that's just like what I think. Right. I think, oh, we're getting a new champion, well, and. Well, Everybody said the same thing on Facebook when I made the post that, yep, Luchasaurus, new champion, Luchasaurus, new champion. And it's just like, you can't help but not think that way because it changes hands so much. Right. And I feel bad for Hobbs because I really think he got, like, fucked out of this, you know? First you put him with QT Marshall, and that's, like, already fucking sticking a knife in your foot. And then as soon as he even attempts to gain momentum it just gets fucking taken out from underneath him so i I do feel bad for him in this whole situation yeah i I do too because uh i really felt like powerhouse hobbs was having a lot of momentum with the fans with uh the shows themselves i felt that we were seeing I don't want to say like a resurrection because like, you know, he did climb up the ladder and then, you know, a little setback and, and kind of start climbing again in the company. But do you remember the roar of the crowd when he won the, you know, he won the ring, but then also won the championship. Yeah. Like the crowd was hot for that. And I got to be honest, this isn't the first time when you look at Wardlow and he like they made him seem like he's this big, you know, the next Bill Goldberg type. But no offense, when you do that and you put him in matches against guys like Brian Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs, who are more muscular than he is, he doesn't have the same effect after you see him against bigger guys. Yeah. And look, I hate to say I just the Wardlow experiment has just really died down completely at this point. I feel like once they cut his ponytail, it was it was done. I mean, he's the third time TNT champion. I feel like they dropped the ball after having him lose the championship after the first time around, to be honest. I, I agree. Uh, also, he is tied for the most reigns with the TNT championship. In a three-way tie, ironically, along with Sammy Guevara and WrestleMania main event loser Cody Rhodes. Yeah. You know, so like, I have to agree, I feel like the Wardlow experiment has run its course. But I also feel like that's why they've gone with the four pillars of AEW the way that they did. To try and be like, hey, these are our biggest four homegrown talents that we have which seemingly takes Wardlow out of that because you know he is one of the the homegrown guys but he's just now it's now like with this four pillars can you really Justin can you really view him as being one of the top guys in the company the way that they're running the four pillar type deal at this moment no and it sucks because you could you could have 
you know, went back to him and MJF and did a match on pay-per-view this year for the world title or even a special episode of Dynamite. But do I see Wardlow challenging for the world title within the next two months, three months? No, I don't. And that's all due to his booking in the last six, seven months or so. And we've talked about this a lot. The booking in AEW is, is off. Yeah, and, yeah. and and this is just a prime example of bad booking. Because if I feel like if Wardlow was booked better, he wouldn't be a three-time TNT champion, number one. Number two, it seemed like they were running with him seemingly just like Goldberg. You know, they had him on like a hot streak, not losing matches, if you remember correctly. And then they 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 stopped that. You know, he loses, which everybody loses. We all, you know, we know that. But like, they were making him seem hot and he was winning matches left and right, right? Just like how Goldberg was. And all of a sudden, it just stopped, and it was immediately derailed. Unlike Goldberg, who won 173-0. Unlike Asuka, who had like a huge number like that as well. I just I feel like they just dropped the ball. And this is a, the, the... I feel like Wardlow is the best example of dropping a ball on a character that you have. And I feel I like he's the biggest one in AEW that they dropped the ball with. It's definitely the biggest example. I agree with you on that. You know, and you brought up a good point to me earlier that made me think about this. With Ring of Honor, you still have people from Ring of Honor commingling in AEW, which Tony Khan had told us was going to stop, but it hasn't stopped yet. It ain't gonna stop. <laughs> now one of the thing now one of the reasons why I bring that up is we're seeing a lot of wrestlers now kind of leave MLW. This past uh, week, it was advertised for Ring of Honor. Um, Vikingo was going to take on Gringo Loco. Gringo Loco is an MLW guy. And, and I don't know if you guys know who Gringo Loco is, if you've ever watched any of his matches. He's not exactly a cruiserweight as he's kind of got like a, I don't want to be mean about it. He's got a belly on him. Man moves like a cruiserweight though. Great, great performer. And there's a term in the Lucha Libre realm for wrestlers like him. And I don't remember what it is, but he's one of those wrestlers. Uh, So he's advertised in Ring of Honor, which he was part of MLW, uh, seemingly parting ways. And Justin, we had a name come up the other night that really shocked me when it comes to MLW MLW losing a talent Richard Holiday most marketable now a free agent what do you think about that I feel like partially the decision was made due to it, it was leukemia he had right or he had been diagnosed uh-huh. with? yeah he he's already um back to training and everything like that. He he was able to he rang the bell to be done with uh therapy and stuff like that a while back. Yeah, I didn't know he had completed all of his treatment. Uh but I mean, look, I've seen Richard Holiday, I've seen his stuff. He's a good talent and 
You know, I could see him coming to AEW, in all honesty. Him and MJF have that history if they wanted to rekindle that. Or yeah. as a member of the Ring of Honor roster. Who knows? Yeah, because, I mean, he was in a, a stable with MJF before MJF joined AEW. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see that if they wanted to do it. Yeah, I mean, they're very similar. And I'm a, I'm a huge Richard Holiday fan. We've had him on the show before. Uh, great talent. Great on the mic. Great wrestler. Has this way about himself that's like MJF, but a toned down version, I guess, is the best way to put it. But I'm excited to see what happens with him and where he goes after this. So make sure, uh, fans, you, you keep an eye on Richard Holiday and where he pops up. There's a reason why he's called most marketable. It's there. At one point, he wanted to be the face of MLW. And, I mean, we just saw recently, too, Alicia, too, no longer part of MLW as well, who, you know, they were on screen partners and in real life, I'm pretty sure. You, 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 I got the vibes. I got yep, the vibes. Yep, yep. Um, so there's that. So MLW has lost some people. Um, they're having great success though on reels. They're coming to an end here very quickly, uh, for their season, their seasonal show. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next season on MLW, who shows up there and, and everything like that. But, you know, speaking of, you know, things like that, you know, losing people in your company, Justin. We always know that after WrestleMania, a few things happen. Oh, yes. And one of those is snip, snip, bye-bye, best of luck in your future endeavors. We know that WWE is known for doing budget cuts after WrestleMania. And... Nick Khan had done an interview. I don't remember the name of the show, but he went on and he was asked about uh, budget cuts and everything like that. Now he talks, but there's, there's no moment where you hear, you know, if it's behind the scenes people, if it's going to be talent or anything like that. And, and the way he talked in my eyes, Justin, it seems like it was more of behind the scenes people that are going to be part of these budget cuts than talent this time around. Because as he was saying, with the purchase of Endeavor, like they have their own people that can do some of the things that are being done in WWE. And it almost kind of made it seem like those people already do it for less money than what the people in WWE are doing. And Nick Khan cited that he's he, the way he put the budget cuts is it looks like $50 million in budget cuts is going to happen for WWE. That's a lot. That is a lot. Now you hear that number and you might think on average, how many, like how many talents do you cut when it comes to that big number? Because if you think about it like this, Justin, the talent themselves, 
like I'm hearing like numbers. I, you could cut the whole roster, and I feel like that's fifty million. It does, or maybe doesn't even like might equal more than the fifty million, but that's a lot of people to cut. And the only thing I can think of when it comes to this is like Endeavor already has like their own social media teams. Um, right. They have like their own like managers, um, talent producers. Obviously, I feel like they'll keep the producers of like Raw, SmackDown, and the shows like that because Endeavor doesn't have writers, you know, for because UFC, it's not a lot of scripted type stuff like WWE is. I'm expecting this to be like a lot of management esque type positions, desk type positions, and things like that. Where they're gonna like go through WWE and being like, all right, we don't know what this creative shit is. We're not gonna touch it. But like this social media team, this guy who deals with talents, this guy who does this, this guy who does that. I think they're gonna look at it for I think it's more of that perspective. I think it's more behind the scenes budget cuts than it is on air talents. And if I see on air talents get cut, I'm gonna look at it as okay, it's the ones that have underwhelmingly produced for the company who haven't done that well for the company who, you know, might've been people who asked for their release kind of people that get cut from the company. They're going to realize they still have a Leo under contract. <laughs> so like, those are the things I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried skipping over that. I can't. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. She's been under contract for a while, but that's also like... I feel like she's in the same predicament of like how Angelo Dawkins was when he was in NXT for 10 years, or even oh, yeah. like in Tyler Breeze for that matter. Like He'd been there forever and then finally got his like main call up and everything. And Oh, man. Those those poor people. Yeah, Aaliyah was on the main roster because uh She's even won she... a title on the main roster already. Huh? She's even won a title on the main roster already. Yeah, I was about to say, I wonder how she feels that like Liv Morgan seemingly has her spot. You know what? I'm glad you brought I'm glad we kinda got to this conclusion. So I we all know about your Natalia rant and how how many tag team partner she's had the infamous we want to look in Liv morgan's direction for a minute <sighs> ruby Rhea, raquel tegan knox i'm sure natalia's in there oh i'm sure she is too <laughs> yeah it drives me nuts to be honest with you i hate like the throw together tag teams um but like the thing with Natalia, man, was she, she had teamed with. We determined in that tag team match at WrestleMania, she has literally teamed with everybody that was in that match, minus like two people. I think like minus, yeah, somebody else. <laughs> it was Chelsea Green, and I don't even remember who the other one was. I was. Raquel was probably the other one. It was Raquel. It was Raquel. Those were the only two. She teamed with literally everybody else in the match. And I lost my mind because I was like, yo, I'm sick of this. <laughs> and 
like this, this again, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez doesn't make sense to me. Why are they a team? But whatever. I'm 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 not WWE creative. I don't have the answers. So if someone from WWE creative wants to tell me why this is going on, please by all means, because I'm curious. Do we want to guess who Natalia's tag team partner will be come WrestleMania next year? Yeah, for real. Chelsea Green. I'll make my prediction right now. Okay, Chelsea. I'm gonna go with somebody new from NXT. Okay, fair. I'm gonna go with like, call up, and it's almost like if you get put with Natalia as a tag team, it's just like, yeah, this is how we start everyone's women's career now in WWE. You team with Natalia, get past and, it. And then once we realize if if you're a star, we'll, we instantly bump you up. If not, you get the Aaliyah treatment. You know, it's I don't know, man. But I'm 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 glad you brought Aaliyah up because we haven't seen her in a while, heard from her in a while. But we all know that that can change, Justin, with the WWE draft. Oh yes. So we heard that the draft is coming back. You know, they like to do this once a year, shake up the roster. Here we see champions be moved. We've seen titles be swapped in the past. And sadly, we see tag teams get broken up. Especially ones that are well-established. As they start the push of single careers for people. Justin... How do you think this draft is going to turn out? What teams do you see get broken up? Maybe even factions get broken up. And who do you see going where? Who? Just give me like the most important people you see that get like moved. Okay. Um. So number one, I think the street profits are definitely by the time this draft is done, street street profits are done too. Uh, if I had to take my pick on which direction they go, I'd say Angelo Dawkins goes to SmackDown and Montez stays on Raw because Bianca will be there because she is the Raw Women's Champion. And that's his wife. <laughs> right. God forbid, I really fucking hope they don't switch any, like, the SmackDown champions to Raw and vice versa and we have to fucking trade titles because we know how that worked out last time. Let's not fucking do it again. I, on top of the fact that it's already fucking stupid, trading uh, trading titles like it's fucking Yu-Gi-Oh cards on the playground. Like, Jesus Christ. Um... <sighs> It's just, it's so fucking dumb. And I I won't stop saying that. But I've looked into a few NXT call ups and who they could be bringing up to. Uh, I think Grayson Waller is very likely to be coming up to the main roster. I think Zoe Stark is another one. Uh, Roxanne, I could see. Roxanne Perez, seeing as she just lost the title and she's getting a rematch this upcoming uh, Tuesday at Spring Break In. Uh, pretty deadly. Yes, boy, I could see coming up to the main roster. They have a trunk match next week at spring break-in against the D'Angelo family, and I think that's going to be a way to write them off TV. Okay. Um. Also, who was it I just had in my head? Jesus Christ. Oh, when it comes to women's tag teams, I could see them calling Katana Chance, Caden Carter, the main roster. To give something to that fucking women's tag team division. Because they're more than ready. 
do you think they call up Braun Breaker? Because that's the one I'm going back and forth on. I'm so glad you brought his name up because I keep going back to the incident at WrestleCon between his dad, Rick Steiner, and Impact Wrestling's Giselle Shaw, which I talked about this a little bit last week. And then, you know, it was obviously talked about two weeks ago on the show. Um, So fans, if you don't know what happened, uh, Braun Breaker's dad, Rick Steiner, had an incident with Giselle Shaw. Giselle is part of Impact Wrestling. She's an openly transgender woman. And Rick Steiner uh, transphobically bashed her to where he was banned from WrestleCon. And, um, you know, the name kind of, his name kind of took a hit. So we're kind of like on edge on if this will affect Braun Breaker or not. And we want to hope that it doesn't, but also at the same time, like in my opinion, man, if my opinion is honestly, Braun Breaker was probably raised in the same way of thinking that his dad is. I'm hoping that he has a different opinion than his dad, but most people tend to not in these situations. I would like to say, I hope it doesn't affect him, but also at the same time, if his last name was Steiner, it would 1000% affect him on this. Oh yeah. He would have got, but because he's Braun breaker, I think they might just be like, well, he didn't say it at one of our events. Right. You know, so I'm thinking he's not going to be affected in a negative limelight. But I also thought he would be one to be drafted because after losing his championship. Right. So I see him being one of the ones called up, though, even though he'd lost. I still see it happening. So the way it's been playing out on NXT. So he's a heel now. I'll bring that up. And he did bring up on NXT television because they attempted to put him in a number one contender's fatal four-way match to get another shot at the NXT title. And he took himself out because he said that title has been a curse to him in his career. Which would make you think he doesn't want it anymore, right? Yeah. I would imagine. So if you're not going to go after the NXT title again, I mean, you should probably go to the main roster. And since then, they haven't really set anything up for him on TV feud wise. So I feel like he's probably going to go up unless something drastically changes. Yeah. I mean, I can see him going up. And for me though, I always look at the, the draft as who's getting split up here. I agree with you that the street profits, I agree that I see Angelo Dawkins being drafted to SmackDown and I don't, I see him instantly going with top dollar and being part of that whole group type deal. Almost very similar to like the street profits type deal. 
and I feel like he would bring something to the table with them because I don't know, man. Michael Cole always has it out. Speaking of, uh, I'm glad you brought up Top Dollar. Did you uh, download Hit Row on 2K23 this week? I actually did. I actually did. I have only played as Scott Steiner, though. Oh, you gotta you gotta get Top Dollar and have him do a uh, dive over the top rope. Does Michael Cole say something? He he doesn't, as far as I know. But okay. uh, have you watched the Andre the Giant Battle Royal back at all from this year? Is that where he had his like little mishap? No, so we, we were that that SmackDown. That's why I, I remember asked. that. Yeah, I remember so, that. Uh, I watched Botchamania this week, <laughs> and yeah. Michael Cole did make a comment saying that he fo- figured Top Dollar was gonna win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal because he won't be able to get over the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought of you instantly, so... Uh, I'm going to have to go watch Botchamania now. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't... The Raw After Mania, SmackDown, and WrestleMania, I didn't go back and watch on TV like you guys said. Because like you guys said, like don't go back and watch them because remember it for being live. And that stuck with me, and I haven't, I haven't watched those shows. As much as I like hearing the commentary and stuff, I have not I have not gone back to watch. But um, I will have to check that spot out on Botchamania, though, because I do like watching Botchamania. That shit's hilarious. Um, you know, fans, you can expect us on YouTube um, while we're talking about that. Tomorrow, our video for the WWE... WrestleMania Superstore review goes up, and there was a lot. There was a lot there, dude. So you guys are going to enjoy that. You can also hear me do a Perch on the Top Shelf episode uh, talking about all the action figures and everything that we had seen at the Superstore and hear like when they're coming out and all of that nature. And that's on uh our podcast you can listen to it anywhere and everywhere so go back and listen to that we have on youtube.com at perched on the top rope we have a bunch of more videos after that that'll be coming out daily from justin and i meeting a ton of wrestlers i'm talking trinity fatu mercedes monet john moxley the boogeyman greg the hammer valentine there's a lot of stars that we had met and there's a lot of cool videos we're still working on the wrestlemania videos uh there's also you know justin also attended nxt stand and deliver that week Uh, just be patient with us fans but just know starting tomorrow one more thing i want to tack on to that i've like put the videos in to edit all of them just one day was 110 minutes. Yeah. So like that is, that is almost two hours. So like there's a lot there. Um but you fans will be able to enjoy those on youtube.com at perched on the top rope and at Injustin We Trust. Like I said, there's a lot. There's just a there is a lot for us to go through. Um I said I would edit one of the WrestleMania nights if you wanted to send me the stuff. 
because uh, basically, I don't know if you want anything I did, but all I I, I did a lot of entrances. Yeah, and I like, entrances. So you you can just use those. That's fine. But um, there was a lot there, fans, and you can expect that stuff starting coming out tomorrow. So make sure you tune in. Go go subscribe to the channel. Like and comment on the videos. It helps us out immensely with the algorithm. You can also check us out on uh, anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, Red Circle, you name it, we're there. It's perched on the top rope. And for those who have kept us on your chartables, we thank you. We love chartables top 250. Uh, it's actually one of the things that we thrive on, the fact that we have so many listeners and so many from different countries that get us on these chartables, these ranking systems for the podcast. It's amazing. And, and you know, we just can't help but to say thank you. It's just truly, truly incredible to to see countries like uh, Brazil, Great Britain, Ireland, Germany, Indonesia, uh, just in the Ukraine has popped up Ooh. listening, which is really cool. Uh, so there's a ton of countries. We thank you, all of you, for listening and tuning in each and every week to Perched on the Top Rope and putting putting us on your top 250 chartables for most downloads in professional wrestling podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Perched on the Top Rope. TikTok, it's Perched on the Top Rope. Bunch of great videos from Did You Know? WWE history. Uh, Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On with Selena scenes recreating the best moments in professional wrestling history. Because you're not going to tell me that Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 32 is not one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling history. Because as someone who owns ring gear from Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, I will tell you it was one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling history. But if none of that tickles your fancy, you can go listen to the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, get humped by a dog at TikTok. It's perched on the top rope. Yes, that's right. You can watch the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, former WCW talent, former WCW producer, and one time presumed to have killed Chris Benoit and his family. That Taskmaster getting humped by a dog. Now when I think about it, when I put it like that, that sounds kind of bad. Anyway, go watch them get humped by a dog. TikTok, perched on the top rope. You can find us at Twitter, perched top rope, because perched on the top rope is too long. You can find us on Instagram at, at perched on the top rope podcast. Uh, and make sure you go to youtube.com at injustinwetrust or youtube.com slash injustinwetrust to go check out all those vlogs. Like I said, WrestleMania night one and two, NXT stand and deliver, Raw after Mania, SmackDown, uh, WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, WWE Superstar Review, us at WrestleCon. A lot of great stuff coming out, guys. Make sure you tune in. You know, make sure Wednesdays you're around as the Perched on the Top Shelf podcast drops on Wednesdays at 12:30. This show drops Fridays at 12:30, and starting tomorrow, which is Saturday you're going to start seeing a lot more videos get posted on YouTube because Justin, I've got like seven or eight already lined up that are edited, ready to go. Um, just make sure guys that you're paying attention at perched on the top rope on youtube.com. 
And when it comes to figures, Justin, like I said, Wednesdays at 1230 for Perched on the Top Shelf. I did a solo show this past week where I talk about all the new action figures that are coming out that we saw from the WWE Superstore at WrestleMania. Fans, I'm going to be having some other people join me on that show when Justin can't join me because solo shows and talking action figures is really hard because I'm very biased to one particular couple particular series and the rest I don't like to talk about, but make sure you're there for that. And uh, Justin, is there anything else you want to say to the fans? Uh, so I don't, but I have somebody who might uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Hen Stachio greatness himself, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <clears throat> Hey, uh, this is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Uh, as you know, I have absolutely nothing to do with creative currently. Uh, I promise, seriously, I, I really, I really have nothing to do with it. But um, I, I overheard the show today, and I heard this um, what what was his name? This uh, Pritchard Hollywood guy. Um, you said he was most marketable, and I, I think uh, I think Paul should give him a call and sign him because i have a great idea for a character for him you, you said he was most marketable right i'm thinking we make this man a grocery bagger that's right the marketable market like a grocery market think about that he can put bags on people's heads he can do the old cody rhodes thing he he, he made him at wrestlemania this year so he got away he got he got a he got ahead with that so yeah uh oh man I don't, what the hell was i talking about uh pritchard pritchard hollywood grocery bagger most marketable future wrestlemania main eventer that is all vincent kennedy everyone ladies and gentlemen that might be a spoiler but on this show spoiler freeze the way to be we're out we're out damn it <laughs>